All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Woo. All right. I am. Uh, I'm excited about another day of worship here with you all. Um, last week, if you were here last week, we had Aiden here, and uh, he was this Jewish believer. Wasn't he awesome? Yeah. He was awesome. He, he would just say his name in Hebrew, and he was just blah, blah, and I go, okay, tell me more. This is so cool. So uh, anyway, it's a lot of people enjoy, really enjoyed him, and we have that message up online, his story online. If you have not seen that, if you have not listened to that, you need to listen to that. It, uh, it, it will make you both laugh and cry at the same time. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to all our, uh, our tech people back there, because last week we came in and there was no Wi-Fi, which means we could not have recorded it and, and, and got it out uh, to live stream and all that kind of stuff. So we, we rushed around and we said, well, oh, well, we just won't get this one. And we said, no, no, we need this. So the best thing we could do was to try and find a phone and hotspot it to be able to use somebody's data to be able to get that out on the airwaves. And so uh, the tech people back there said, hey, can I borrow your phone? They found the fastest phone. And then they found out that it needed to be, it couldn't be on the table. It needed to be about this high to be able to get a good signal. And so one possibility was to hold it up like that all the time. Another one was uh, one one of our volunteers back there uh, had a solution. I'm not sure if we can put that on the screen or not. Uh, Jacob. He put the phone on his head and it plugged in, and that's how we got this, that whole thing online there. So uh, let's give it up for a tech team. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we are starting a whole new series uh, this week, and it is, has a very simple name, Trust God. I thought I wouldn't go with, with cute or, you know, su- in a, a subtle. Let, let's, we're just going to find out what it means to trust God. And so I'm going to pray that God would open up his word and instruct us. I'm going to invite him to be our teacher today. And so we can come away richer for for his teaching. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are good. You listen to every prayer. You love us. You love us. You love us. And so because I know you listen to this prayer, I, I pray that you would come and be our teacher Come and tap us on the shoulder through scripture, through story, through community, through worship. Lord, let every single one come away somehow encouraged and strengthened for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I was uh, praying and asking God, okay, what should we be uh, studying next? This, this idea of how to trust God, how to trust God, kept on uh, coming up to my, my head. And I thought, well, it's easy. It's easy to do a whole series on trust God. Here it is. Do it. Okay, that, that sort of takes care of it, right? Just, just do it, just trust God, and we can move on. Until I started to look in the scriptures and found out it is quite different. There's layers and nuances. There is... Um, there is a lot more to the whole subject of trusting God than I normally thought at the, at the outset. So at the end of this series, at the end of uh, four weeks, I want you to have this full understanding of what it means to trust God and how it's slightly different than just praying. There, there are uh, several things that, that go into trusting God. We're going to sort of take a, the, an overview 
today. So this is sort of the intro message. And then we're going to dig down into the specifics over the next three weeks. But this, uh, I want you to have this, this great sort of better understanding of what it means to trust God. And not only that, I want you to come away motivated to say, no, I can trust God for these things. And these things I know I can take to the bank. This, these are things I can be sure of to trust God. So I hope we come away with both of those things. And I know some of you, just talking about this, this is a difficult subject. It's difficult for some of you because the whole idea of trust God, you go, yeah. I don't want to hurt you, Dave, but I've got a story where I trusted God. At least I thought he did, I did, and he didn't come through. And for some reason, I felt... Like trust had been broken between me and God. Did God stop listening? Is there something wrong with me? Is there even a God? Or as one person asked me once, there is a God. There's just too many evidences of him. But I'm not sure if he's good. So perhaps a a dear one of yours that you prayed for was not healed. Or someone's close to you, sinking in trouble, but was never rescued. And somehow that, that, that causes you to trust God less and less. If that's you, if that is you, don't let that, that, those experiences downgrade, downgrade your belief in miracles and what God can do. As Peter Gregg said in, in one, of, one of the best books I've read on this, it's called God on Mute. He said, people are quietly downgrading their belief in miracles because they have experienced deep disappointment. So if that's you, if that's you online, if you were not sure whether you could come because of this this whole series, I want you to say, don't run. This series is for you too, to trust God. Well, to trust God, it's just a command throughout the whole Bible. I could tell you all the times where it says, trust in the Lord, but then we wouldn't have time to do anything else. For instance, Psalm 4, 5 says it very succinctly, trust in the Lord. So that's it. Just we need to trust in the Lord. This is not a side subject. Trusting God is the center of what we do. In fact, as the theologians trying to understand what faith is, faith is trust is this kernel in the center of faith. Trust is, is something that, that you can't have biblical faith without. Uh, it, you can't even begin your, uh, your walk with God without trusting him. As uh, one, one author said, without trust, Faith is inadequate and shockingly indistinguishable from the faith of demons who believe and shudder before God. In other words, if you believe Jesus is God, and if you believe that that there is a God, that's not enough. That's just simple belief. You actually need to trust him. You need to trust him. You need to trust his work on the cross for you. You need to trust that he removed your sins. You need to give your whole life to him. You trust your life to him. That the moment you trust him, that, that is an alive faith. As I've shared often, even my teen years, James 2.19, if you believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Great, you believe there's a God? Doesn't do you a whole bunch of good. Basically, in the center of, of biblical faith, you actually have to trust him with your life, to trust him, to come and make his, his life with you. Deciding not to trust God places a wider separation between us and God continually. As another writer said, sin was introduced into the world by our ancestors choosing not to trust God. Throughout the Old Testament, it's again and again says, okay, 
trust me. And, and it seemed like their world was always falling apart, but God kept on saying, no, trust me. Don't trust in other things. There's a time in Hezekiah's life where, where the, the king of, the, the, of Assyria, they were coming against him, and he just didn't know what to do. And God said, trust me, trust me. And, then, and yet he's going and, and, and talking to Egypt to, to see that Egypt could come and, and save him. 2 Kings 18.21 says this, On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, look, I know you're depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such a great picture because all the reeds around Egypt. He said that the staff you think you're leaning on is this like flimsy reed. You're gonna, it's going to snap and you're going to pierce your own hand. Uh, uh, which splintered a reed of a staff, which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who, who depend on him. When I read these things, I get the idea that God is personally hurt when we don't trust him. Especially when things, he said, I promise to do this for you. Okay, no, I, I'm going to try and do this over here. He said, hold on. I, I thought we had this relationship. I, I thought there was... I thought I'm, I'm your, your heavenly father, and I'm going to provide these things that I promise you, and yet you don't believe me. In fact, not only do you not believe me, you're going to go and chase after other things. And I believe there's this, there's this hurt that comes from God. He tells us not to trust riches, not to trust in beauty, even our own ability to figure things out. At the core of Christianity is an invitation to re- recenter one's life around a living relationship of trust with the Father. All right. Okay, Dave, you convinced me. This is something we need to look into. So what does it mean to trust? Well, we know trust is a relational word. At the center of every healthy relationship, there's trust. And then there's really two aspects of trust, and it starts with grammar. I know I shouldn't have said that word. I know some of you will shut down just at the mention of grammar. I know as a, as a kid, I would too. But it's actually really important. Trust can either be a noun or a verb depending on the context. Let's look at it just real quickly. Trust, a noun goes, is like this. It's assured reliance on the character, ability, and strength or truth of someone or something. They are trustworthy. They're trustable. Do you know somebody that's a trustable person in your life? That is the noun. They are trustable. They are trustworthy. They are somebody you can put your trust in, and they themselves, their personality is such that you can go, okay, we're good, we're good. I know that person has got that. I know as somebody who, who runs an organization, there's some people where they say, don't worry, Dave, I got that, you don't have to think about it. I go, oh, okay, good. They are trustworthy. I know they've done it before. I know that, they, okay, I don't even have to think about that because they are a trustworthy person. And then there's the verb. It's to, to ask a trustworthy person to do something for me. I, I trust that you're going to do this for me. Can you, can you do this? I'm going to trust you with this responsibility. I'm going to trust you with this responsibility. It, it, it would be like if you had a pet, right? And you're going away on, on vacation, and uh, somebody said, hey, I'll take care of your pet. Okay, what happens? What happens in your brain? Can I, can I trust this person, Right? I trust this person. You know, are they going to actually come or am I going to come back to a dead cat? All right? That would be bad, all right? Especially in the summertime. Okay, I don't want to come back to a dead cat. All right? Are they, uh, no, I will take care of your animal. Can I trust them? 
And then when you say, sure, I will let you do that, that's you're trusting them to do that. See how it's a verb and a noun at the same time. Both these things are talked about in Scripture. In fact, there's one verse that seems really confusing until you understand this in Jeremiah 17, 7. It goes like this. I'm going to read this a couple times because the first time I read this, I go, oh, yeah, that's got to wrap my head around that one. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. We get that. That's something. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to ask him to do something for me. And whose trust is the Lord. See the difference of the two? There's something, God, I'm going to trust in you to do this. But there's also, God, I just trust you. Just who you are. Just your character. Just who you are. And so there's these two aspects of trust that are going to make sense over these next few weeks. And all of a sudden, we're going to notice some deeper things that happen as we open up God's word. First of all, I trust you to do what you promised. God, I trust you to do what you promised. Uh, you're the one, uh, the one who trusts in the Lord. And God, I trust who you are, whose trust is the Lord. So let's look at both of those. So the trust in the Lord to do what he promised, to do what he promised. God has made a series of very specific promises that have a purpose. He promises you, one of the biggest things he promises you, he promises you to work on you so that you're becoming more and more like Jesus. You're going, well, I don't like that promise. I want another promise. Can we, can we get another promise? No, no, no. You, you don't get to choose the promises. So God says, I promise I'm going to make you more and more like Jesus. And, you know, we go, yay, until you find out what it's like to be like Jesus, right? To be kind and loving, to be generous, to be bold, to be truthful, all those good things. He's working those things in us. He says this in 2 Peter 1, uh, 3 to 4. His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who's called us, through you walking with God, knowing God, walking with him every day. Uh, for by these things, he has granted us, here it is, his precious and magnificent promises. God has made these precious promises to us. And they're magnificent. They're wonderful. They're awe-inspiring. You go, oh, cool. Am I going to win a million bucks? No, it's not what his promises are about. Let's find out what the promises are about. So that by them... You may become partakers in the divine nature. It, it, so it's God's, God's almost with an excitement of shaking hands going, you know what? You know what? I've given you everything you need, everything you need in life, all right? And not only that, for godliness. And okay, okay. And not only that, I've, how I'm going to work this in your life, I've, got, I've written down promises in, God's, in my word. I've, I've written them, and they're precious, and they're magnificent. So if you take advantage of my promises in, in my word, guess what you are going to become? You're going to become godly. Yeah, I'm glad somebody said amen. Because <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So we can be more like Jesus, better in every way, as we trust God to fulfill his promises. And all his promises God will fulfill. 2 Corinthians 1.20, there's a song that's written about this, and I, I love the scripture that it comes from. So no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In other words, Jesus says, that will be done. That will be done. Is this a promise you're going to give me? Yes. Will you give me this promise? Yes, because it's in my word. Yes, I will give you all these promises. 
And so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. And when we receive that promise, we go, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, here's the interesting thing. Some promises in God's word are unconditional. And this sort of connects us up with the last series. There's unconditional promises. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day he comes. There, there, he promises, whether, whatever you do or not, it's unconditional. He's going to be working in you, so, so he's started this good work in you, and it's going to be complete in heaven, so you will be completely godly in heaven. But he's going to start that work now. And, and you go, wow, I didn't know what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah, so by, basically, if you're an unbeliever, if you're on the way to God, if you're not there yet, let me just tell you, if you want to step into a relationship with God, you're signing up for a program that God promises you. He's going to keep on working in you to make you a better person, a better person, more and more like his son. He's going to keep on doing that. He's going to put life pressures on you. He's going to remind you of things. He's going to bring you to, to, to church. He's going to put other people around you. Some of you are here, and you can look back and go, oh, yeah, God's done that because that's his promise. His promise that I, he who began a good work in you, will continue to do that until the day. Another great unconditional promise I love, I love. <laughs> you know, once you're in God's family, guess what? Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I look at that scripture, and it doesn't say, if you do these things, then nothing's going to separate us from the love of God. No, no, it doesn't. Isn't that great? That's an unconditional promise. That nothing, not nor height, nor depth, the angels or demons, nothing is going to be able to separate you from God's love. And some of you need to hear that and get that into your soul. Some of you who grew up in, under performance issues with, with parents, you need to hear the unconditional promise that God will love you no matter what. Now, that would be a good amen part. Okay, thank you. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Come on, isn't it? That's just a promise of God. That's a good thing. But can I tell you, the vast majority of promises in God's word are conditional. And in fact, I've got this great uh, Bible study method I love. I've colored through uh, four Bibles, and it's a coloring method. And, uh, and so I have different colors for different things, and, and I put all kinds of notes around it. And, man, I love it. Uh, we do a, a seminary on, uh, seminary, seminar on... Uh, on creative ways to uh, read your Bible, and uh, we go through this uh, at that uh, workshop. And it, it's fun. It's fun to be able to see. And one of, the, one of the colors I use is green. It's my favorite color. It's the command of God. Command of God or God's will. God's will or command. Anything God's will or command is in green in my Bible. And so it's really easy to see everything that God wants. And then orange, orange is a, a promise from God. I promise to do this. I promise to do this. And if you, I remember flipping through my Bible and this is what I found. Green, green, orange. Green, green, orange. Green, green, orange. What did that mean? Well, if you do my will in these things, I promise I'm going to do this here. If you do this, I'm going to promise I will do that. Interesting. Well, well, what, what does that sound like, Dave? What does that sound like? Oh, here's one. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31. We love this. But those who hope in the Lord or, or who... Those who wait on the Lord, all depends what translation you have, but those who wait, uh, wait or hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. Does anybody need that? Man, I need that. 
Do we need to be able to soar on wings like eagles? Yeah, come on, I, we all need, do we need to be able to have a time in your life where you're running and you're running hard, but you have the energy to run hard? And sometimes you have a time where, hold on, no, I just need to keep on going. I need to just keep on pacing my life. I need that energy. God promises you that, but there's an if. Here's the if. But those who hope, or what, what I put behind it is wait with God in anticipation in the Lord you'll renew your strength. So in other words, it's not a promise if you don't wait and hope in God. If you go, God, you're not giving me strength. You're not giving me strength. Why aren't you giving me strength? You're, you know, I don't believe in you anymore. Okay. Now you got to read what it says. Spend the time. Unplug. Get away. Say, okay, God, I, I, I'm going to wait on you in your presence. I'm going to hope that's anticipation of the good things that you're going to be doing. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to, take some, I'm going to take some intentional time to praise you. Guess what? His promise is, he's going to renew your strength. So many promises from God are wrapped around, if you do this, then I promise you, I will do that. I will do that. So we trust in the Lord to keep his promises, to keep his promises, both conditional and unconditional. Throughout this series, I'm going to look at God's promises, and we can be assured of these promises. We're going to look at ones that are unconditional. We will look at the ones that are conditional, because there's some promises that go, really? You promise to do that? Yes, he promises that if we do this. So we'll look all through God's word at his promise. Just to mention now, I do believe God also gives you personal promises, that they mean, they, the bigger the decision, the more confirmation. We're not going to talk about that so much here. We're going to focus on the promises in God's word. In Isaiah 55, 11 says, My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for, what, for which I sent it. We can trust that if something is in God's word as a promise, he will do it. It's almost like the power of his voice sent it out, and it will happen. Okay, great. Great, Dave. We'll look over promises. Uh, can I be honest about this, Dave? I've got a situation I'm trusting God for that there is no promise in God's will, word, right? Oh, man, my kids. Oh, my, you know, you fill in the blank, right? Oh, the, this, this housing situation. Ah. Oh groceries, whatever it is. I'm not sure if I can look in the Bible for a promise for that specific thing. What, what, what do I do about that, Dave? What do I do about that? What do we do when we can't, we can't point to a promise? We trust in the person of God. When we can't point to a promise, we trust in the person of God. This is the second half of that verse. Trust in the Lord and trust in who God is, who God is. We'd have to trust that he unconditionally loves us. That's an unconditional promise. I don't know what's going to happen in this one. I'm not even sure what the possibilities here are, God. But I trust that you are good, and so I'm going to trust you as sovereign, holy God, that you, I'm just going to give this to you again and invite you to work. I'm just going to trust that you hear, that you see, and that you will play a part. 
There's so, I've lived long enough where I've seen so many things I've had to just trust in the, in the goodness of God. Some, I still have big question marks around. That I do. Some, I just go, oh my goodness. I never thought that would happen because of that happening and that happening. And that is called the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means he's king. And he will take any little bit we give him and weave it into his big, big picture around the world. I've got a great story from this. I remember a, uh, a pastor uh, telling a, a story. They were packing up crates to send over to China, to the Chinese house churches, filled with, uh, filled with printed material, filled with things that they couldn't get here. And they had this, uh, the pastor said, we had this big Norwegian uh, carpenter would make these, make these crates, and uh, he would sing and hum. He's just uh, quite, quite happy, and he would joke around a lot. And uh, not only would he make the crates, but he would help fill them. And as he helped fill them, uh, he, uh, he sent them away. And they're, they're all uh, nailed up and uh, off at the shipping docks. And then all of a sudden he noticed, hold on, I can't find my glasses. I just, I can't. And he looked all over the place. Had everybody look. Had everybody pray that he would find his glasses. He said, God, I, I, I don't have a lot of money. I've got to take, you know, a couple months to save up for another pair of glasses. So, why are you doing this to me? And he said, listen, he said in, in, in his story, he said, look how much I've given to you, God. You know, here I am serving you, and here, what do you do? Oh, he's helping me out so much, I think I'm going to make him lose his glasses. He says, thanks a lot for nothing, God. It, it actually made him have a little crisis of faith. You know, glasses, right? A small crisis of faith. Interesting, they got a letter back from the Chinese house churches two months later, and they said, thank you so much for the materials. We are distributed them throughout the house churches. Thank you so much for some of the electronics that we can't get ourselves here that, that they won't allow us to have. They won't allow us to have. And then they said, the, the pastor, the head of all these house churches, particularly thanks you for the glasses in the crate. That was on the top. He said, uh, there's no way I could get glasses. And, and my eyes were so bad I could no longer read the scripture. He said, I cried when I, I found them. And I can't thank you enough. <laughs> Sometimes we trust God in his promises. And, and we need to. We'll learn what that means. Sometimes we just trust God. God, I... There's not a promise for this one. But I want to pray and ask you, because you are large and in charge, you can weave this into your goodness. You are good. You see what I'm going through. I'm just asking you to come and invite because I trust who you are. I trust who you are. There's a verse. I love it because, because it doesn't, it, it sort of leaves you hanging when, when, when you think about the verse. And I think a lot of us would know it. Cast your cares, right? Cast your cares. Cast your cares upon God. Why? Because he cares for you. It doesn't even say that he's going to do everything you ask. But cast your burdens on him. Why? Because he loves you. And he deeply cares. There's some things we might not see the answer to. 
In fact, Abraham was promised a land, and he never received that in his lifetime. But God's promises stay true. And so we hang on to God's promises, and we're going to look at which ones we can, we can hang on to. And beyond that, we say, okay, God, you're large and in charge. You are trustable. I, uh, I think he sees things in a whole different way. God being in heaven, he sees time and our, even our suffering in, in a different light. Uh, there's there's one, uh, one scripture I have in my memory pack, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. It says this, and, and Paul's writing this, and you know Paul's story, how much he got beat up, and he goes through his thing, I've been whipped so many times, I've been beaten with rods so many times, I've been left for dead. Could you imagine actually seeing that guy? You know? You know, he's on the beach, going to take his shirt off to, to, you know, to go, no, don't keep that on, please. Yeah. Wow, you're just scarred up. Wow. And so he says this, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18. For our light and momentary troubles. <laughs> wow. Really? Paul, you got light and momentary troubles? <laughs> oh, man. They sound pretty big to me. Are achieving for us an eternal glory. That outweighs them all. In other words, he's saying, listen, I'm suffering for the church. I'm, I'm suffering to bring people in. And, and God's going to see each one. And there's rewards for all that. And, and the bigger reward for it all is just seeing people come to faith. For a light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So, so, so how do you live, Paul? How, how do you live in the middle of pain? So we fix our eyes, not on what's seen, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so, we trust God in his promises. In the chaos, we trust who he is and realize we just need to keep our eyes on the things of the unseen world. Uh, one of my favorite musicians who, who died far too early, his name was Mark Hurd, and uh, probably nobody here knows, knows him. He's got this one phrase in one of his songs. I love it. He, and he says this. Heaven knows our lonely ways. Heaven knows our sorrows. Heaven knows things that we don't know. And the joy, eternal tomorrows. And sometimes I hold on to that. God, I tell you the pain in my life. Because you care for me. You know my sorrows. You know my lonely ways. God, you know a whole bunch of things I don't know. You know where that pair of glasses are going. <laughs> I don't. And you know the joys of eternal tomorrows. Go and just be active. In the book of Daniel, Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were, were captured in this alien culture. They were told to bow down to a giant statue, and they knew they should not bow down to any idols. And so they did not, and they stood as the entire assembly bowed down. There was, uh, when I was growing up, there was a, a Keith Green cover of, of, a, of a record, and somebody drew this whole thing with this huge statue. Everybody's bowing down, and these three guys just standing up in a field of hundreds. And you can see one guy, you know, pulling on, get down, get out. He said, no, no, we're, we're going to do what God tells us to do. And, uh, and, and, and the, the king, he got so upset. 
He asked the furnace to be cranked up seven times as hot. And he was going to make sure everyone knew that if they didn't follow his orders, then they would be killed. Daniel 3, 17 to 18. They, they, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, talk back to the king. If we're thrown into a burning f- furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He's able to do this. We're going to ask him to do this. Why? Because he sees and he's good. But notice what they say. He will rescue, you from our, he, he, he will rescue us from your power. It, the whole, at the end of the day, you have no power over us, um, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, I don't know, there's been no promise. He hasn't said one way or the other. There's no promise on this one. But if he, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we'll never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you've set up. I'm praying and I'm, I'm hoping that God, in his goodness, will rescue me. But you know what? He might not. But that's okay. I'm going to serve God anyway. Why? Because he is good. Because he's God because he sees and he cares. And so, as we look in this whole series, what promises of God are unconditional? We can trust in all the time. And what ones, what kind of things do we need to do then we can trust fully in what he says he will do? I hope this, this gives you a bit of anticipation as we sort out what it means to trust God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. Come on up. As we, as we get ready for worship, some of you might be in the midst of something that you, uh, that's pure chaos. And you don't know if there's a good answer. And you've prayed lots, and it's just a big question mark. I want you to know that God sees. He sees exactly what you're going through. He does. He says he does. He is the God who sees. God listens to every one of your prayers. I know every prayer I pray, he listens to. And I know God deeply cares about you. Cast your care on him because he cares for you. And sometimes we will have to leave that, those results to him. He is good. He is good. I trust in God's promises. But I also trust in his person. As we t- spend some time in worship now, let's come to him and say, God, I again want to trust who you are you are. If you're new here to us, we have a prayer corner in the back. If you'd love to be prayed for, we have people there with lanyards. They would love to pray for you. We have a communion table open to anyone who's a believer. Come and celebrate God's, uh, God's goodness uh, over these next four, four songs. We also have a giving station back there because we believe that, that giving is a part of worship. So let's come together and let's worship him. Heavenly Father, it is just good to talk to you because I know through your promises, that you hear every call. God, I want to thank you for your care and love for everyone in this service. God, I want to thank you for your, yeah, your tears over what we go through. And God, we trust in your goodness. We trust in your goodness. And God, as this series goes on, help us to have a whole list of promises that we know that we can do and work with you, to beside you, to see those promises come in our lives. We look forward to this. Come and give us anticipation of what you will do. And as we worship, let you be the focus of everything.
in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.